Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. I heard a story that I would definitely like to share with you. It was um, it was about a young girl named Christina, and Christina lived in really a poor Brazilian neighborhood, and like most young girls, wanted to see the world. Discontent with a home, with only having a pallet on the floor, a wash basin, and, and a wood-burning stove, she dreamed of a better life in the city. So one morning, she decided she was going to leave. She slipped away, breaking her mother's heart. Knowing what life on the streets would be like for her young, attractive daughter, Maria, which is Christina's mother, hurriedly packed her bags and and desperately went to try to find her. On her way to the bus stop, she did one last thing. She entered a drugstore, and she needed to get one last thing before her trip. Pictures. You see, she sat at the photograph booth, if you will, closed the curtain, and spent all she had on pictures of herself. With her purse full of small little black and white photos, she boarded the next bus to Rio de Janeiro. Maria knew Christina had no way of earning money. She also knew that her daughter was too stubborn to give up. When pride meets hunger, a human will do things that were before unthinkable. Knowing this, Maria began her search. In bars, hotels, nightclubs, any place with a reputation for streetwalkers or prostitutes. She went to all of them. At the end of the place, she left a picture taped on a bathroom mirror, tacked to a hotel bulletin board, fastened to the corner of a phone booth. On the back of each photo, she wrote, it wasn't too long, or she wrote a note. It wasn't too long before both the money and the pictures ran out, and Maria had to go home. The weary mother wept as the bus began its long journey back to her small village. It was a few weeks later that young Christina decided or descended the hotel stairs. Her young face was tired. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she longed to trade these countless beds for her secure pallet. Yet, the little village was, in too many ways, too far away. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again, and there, on the lobby mirror, was a very small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes burned, her throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed the small photo. Written on the back was a compelling invitation. It read, Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. At that moment, she came to the end of herself. And without a moment's hesitation, Christina returned home.
see, tonight, I want to talk to you about coming home. As a matter of fact, I've entitled this message, Please Come Home. And you say, why is that? Well, tonight, we discover in Psalm 23 that the most beautiful song of trust that David sang. David pictures the Lord Jesus as the great shepherd who noted only provides and protects for his sheep. Now, the reason behind this psalm, please come home, is actually found in verse 1. You see, it says to us that the Lord is my shepherd. But then it goes on to say, I shall not want. You go, what does that mean? Well, if you have a pencil handy, you can circle that. Because what he's really saying is that I will put my trust in God. I will put my trust in God. Now, listen, listen. So many people are wandering about this world, and they have not fully placed their trust in God. That is a fact, okay? This psalm is a psalm of homecoming of sorts. For you see, once we really understand trust, then we can truly rest, be at peace, and we are home. Now, church, listen. Listen, I know you're sitting at home. I know um, you're comfortable on your couches or whatever it might be. That's fine. But we have to remember we live in a world which many, if not most, people are engulfed in fear and anxiety and worry. You go, well, like, well, like what? Well, let's be honest, and actually I'm tired of saying it, the world has changed over the last few years. It's really changed into a place where there is a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry. Well, what do we worry about? Well, we worry, guys, we're worried about the future. Like, we're really anxious on what's going on. And, and if, I can be, if I can be serious with you for just a moment, if I can be vulnerable for just a moment, I sometimes worry about that as well. You see, I feel like, based on reading Revelation and, and what the Word of God says to us, I'm not sure if there's going to be a great awakening and we're going to see many come to the Lord, or we're going to continue to see our world spiral down until the Lord Jesus comes back. And get Either way, we win, but I still feel like I'm, I'm anxious in those areas. Maybe you do, too. Maybe you, maybe you can't see your future. I think other people, they're not worried about the future. They actually fear the past. And they're anxious about what has happened in the past. And I preached a message there in, in Albuquerque last week about, about man, the, the past is, is just kind of holding them back. And we can't get away. And, and we can't be all that God has for us. Because the past has, has it. Others still fear. Well, they don't worry about the future and they don't worry about the past, but you know what they worry about? They worry about the present. You know, anxiety has gripped their souls and they can't imagine how they can cope with the ugliness of the present circumstances in their lives. That's the truth. We're worried. I think about this for just a second. Thousands of people each day wake up with untold burdens of, to bear, like the anxiety in which they must deal with. And so I'm wondering, are you one of these? Bearing secretly the heavy burden of worry or stress? You go, well, Ben, 
what's the opposite? Like, what would be the opposite of worry? Or what would be the opposite of anxiety? Well, it would seem to me that the opposite of worry would be simply learning to be content. To be content. But listen to this. If you're taking note, jot this down. The fuel for contentment is trust. The fuel for contentment is trust. Listen to the way Paul puts it. Philippians chapter 4, listen, 11 through 13 says this, Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know to how to abound. Everywhere in all things I've learned to both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, before we jump on, I need a, we gotta have a Bible lesson right here. We gotta have a Bible lesson. Because a lot of people will take verse 13 out of, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But understand the context. What Paul is saying, he says, listen, whatever state I'm in, he says, I'm trying to learn to be content. If I have to work eight hours a day from my home, I want to learn to be content. If I have to go out in the blistering cold and, and do things, I need to be content. And Paul says, I, rem- I know what it's like to have a lot, and I know what it's like to be hungry. And he says, in all things, I can do all things that Christ gives me strength. So he's talking about contentment. So again, let's, let's circle back. Listen, the fuel for contentment is what? It's trust. It's trust. And if you agree with that, give me an amen. And you go, amen, how can I do that? Okay, you can type it in. Never mind. We'll just, we'll just move on. But Psalm, guys, this Psalm right here is a song of the great shepherd who loves and cares for his sheep. I'm telling you right now, and I'm going to speak to you like, like with, with as much love as I can muster. I know a lot of us really, really want to trust God with everything, with our finances, with our lives, with everything. We struggle with that because we know God can do it. We just don't know if he'll do it for us. Like we're, we're, we're in this race and, and, and that's the truth. We, we feel like, well, I know God can. I just, well, I have not been a good little boy or little girl in the last five or six or 10 or 15 or 20 years. And we struggle with that. But see, what he's saying right here is that God wants to trust us completely. And he knows. He knows about our shortcomings. He knows about our attitudes. He knows about our sin. He knows about all of those things. And he loves us still. That's what blows my mind. This is where I can trust him. This is where I can trust him. Because the Psalm 23, guys, is a song. It's a great song of the great shepherd who loves and cares for his sheep. Yet so often, many people primarily use this psalm for funerals. I don't understand, but they'll, they'll, they'll go to this for funerals. But it's so much more. It's so much more. Now, we need to keep this in mind, Okay. Verse 6, we'll get to it in a minute. Verse 6 reminds us what Jesus does for us when he says, all the days of our lives. All the days of our lives. See, not just at death. We'll use this, and the Lord is my shepherd, but, but he's talking about a journey, a journey in life where the good shepherd wants to take care of you. That's what he's saying. Now, Here is a nugget of truth we must capture. 
Most people think that David wrote this psalm as a young shepherd boy, lying on his back in the pasture, pondering the things of God, when he probably wrote this psalm later in his life. As a matter of fact, it's a possibility that that he actually wrote this song during the rebellion of his son Absalom. We find that in 2 Samuel 13 through 19. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? This is the psalm he wrote. What a great nugget of truth. Now, we need to understand that David deals with some very difficult things he experienced during his long walk with the Lord. This psalm is written to mature believers who have fought battles and carried burdens. And I think that's every one of us. I pray. I know that happens. I know that's a lot of us. So let me do this, okay? Since we're a Bible teaching church, I want to set this psalm up with another portion of Scripture, okay? We know them as the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, so you want to hold your place here and go over to Exodus chapter 20, we are given what we know as the Ten Commandments. These are God's commandments, okay? Now, labor and listen for just a moment. I want to go over this. You're going to find something very cool about this, okay? The Ten Commandments, you know them. You even knew them growing up when you watched Charlton Heston and and Cecil B. DeMille direct the Ten Commandments. But this is the Word of God. Notice what he says in verse 1, actually 1-2 of chapter 20. He says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay, that's going to be the first one. He says, you shall not make for yourself the carved image. We call those Idols. Let me give you commandment number three. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Commandment number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Commandment number five. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which your Lord your God has given you. So honor your father and your mother. If you have a pencil handy, that word honor means hold them in high esteem. Like, like, like a precious jewel, you hold them in high esteem. Now, I know that there are some people who struggle with this because they figure that honor means even when you're married or you're an adult or you still have to do what they say. It means you hold your parents in high esteem, but you're your own person doing your work for the Lord, but you still have to honor them. That's what the Lord says. Then he goes on in commandment number six, and he says, you should not murder, and I think that's a good commandment. Because I don't want people murdering me, and I don't want people murdering you, yet we still do it. This is a commandment of the Lord. Number seven is you shall not commit adultery. Okay? Number eight, you shall not steal. Don't steal anything. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And number ten, you shall not covet your neighbor's house nor shall you covet your neighbor's wife. So listen, you're looking at your neighbor's stuff and you're going, man, I really want that. Oh, I wish I had a, I wish I had a wife like that. This is what the Lord is saying. These are the commandments to live by. Now you go, Ben, why did, would you set up Psalm 23 with this? Now, now, okay, so listen. It was Martin Luther, check this out, once said, because the first two deal with idolatry, The rest of the commandments can only be broken if you break the first one or two. Okay, let that sink in. Okay, let that sink in because that's heavy. You go, can you say that again? 
It was Martin Luther said, quote, the first two, he says, because the first two deal with idolatry, the rest of the commandments can only be broken if you have first broken one of the two. Here's his argument. If you steal, if you dishonored your parents, if you lied about your neighbor, he says, you have already broken commandment one and two. And you go, why? I don't understand. Well, listen, you had already believed that there was something greater and more valuable than God. He would argue that the root issue in you and me has to be solved. The one is the one of idolatry. That's what he would argue. So, it makes sense. It says, listen, now you go, well, what, what's an idol? What's an idol? Well, again, because we're a Bible-teaching church, this is what he's, he's going to say, and we're going to jump back. But think about this as an idol. An idol is taking something, and it could be good, and making it ultimate. Ultimate over God. Okay? He says to, again, think about this. If I were to steal, if I were to take something from Mike Shaw that he didn't know, and I, and I took $20 out of his wallet, I stole from him. He says, he, here's the case, right? He said, he said, I've broken that commandment. I've broken commandments one and two. Because I believe that there's something greater and more valuable than, than God. And I have taken from something that he had already said. So, as we approach Psalm 23, think about this. We must consider that before we can own the whole psalm, we first must conclude that we truly trust Jesus as the shepherd, as our shepherd. If we miss verse 1, then we're still left with what I call slight trust. Slight trust. Jot that down in your notes. Why? Because then we're left with slight trust for God to provide and protect and to, to care for us. Now, let me break that down, okay? Let's break it down. So, as we jump into Psalm 23, we're going to spend some time talking about trust in verse 1. Then, when we truly get it, we will then understand the fruit of what it means to trust the shepherd, even in times of doubt and death. Now, before David starts off, I want you for just a moment under the power of the Holy Spirit to really ask ourselves, do we trust the Lord? Now, I, I understand in a general term, I understand that there are times when it's like, yeah, I trust God, and, 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 I, and I feel like we do trust God. We've opened up our heart. We've invited him inside. I think, I think when, if we were to take our final breath... I think we would know and we would trust the Lord. That's salvation. That's the Holy Spirit living in us. But I've got to be honest with you. I think there are times that we, we don't trust God for every aspect of our life. Like we're not sure he'll come through or not. And yet, every time if we look back at our lives, God has stepped in and done incredible, amazing things. But I've got to be honest with you, we tend to forget those things. And God is God, and he's asking us today, church, to trust him, to trust him with relationships, to trust him with our finances, to trust him in our, the direction that he's calling us to do, to trust him to guide us and lead us. 
all the days of our lives. You see, Christianity is not getting up going, okay, I'm tired this morning, but I'm going to have my quiet time because that's what Christians do. I'm going to read my Bible. Okay. Okay, yep, I read it. All right, well, cool. All right, so I need to get about my day. And, and um, you know, this person really made me mad, but I didn't cuss because I'm a Christian and I don't... I, that's, we're just kind of going through the motions. And, 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 and I think the Lord has so much more for us as believers. But Psalm 23 is going to answer a lot of questions. Notice how David starts off. Psalm 23, verse 1. He says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What if, what if Absalom was after him at this very moment? The rebellion of his son. All the emotions, all the struggle that David's going through, he's writing, He's the shepherd, I shall not want. You go, well, I'm not sure what that means. Well, let me give you another translation. The Good News Bible says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Whoa, 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 Pastor Ben, slow down. Hold the phone. Why? Well, think about what the Good News Bible just told us. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And isn't that the case? Do we not have everything we need? We may not have everything we want. Now, here's... Here really is a, a, a faith killer, if you will. It's ideals. It's ideals. It's the ideals that we were brought up with, and you're going to be this by this, and you should have this by this, and this is what should happen by this, and you should do this by this. And we have all of these ideals, and when they don't come to pass, we're just like, ah. Oh. But we come back, and biblically, we have all that we need. We have all that we need. The message in Psalm 23, verse 1 says, I, God, my shepherd, or God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. I don't need a thing. I don't need a thing. Now, here's my question. You ready? If the Lord Jesus is our shepherd, what does it really mean when he says, I shall not want, or I don't need a thing, or I have everything I need? What does it really mean? What does it really mean? It It was Philip Keller great book. Philip Keller says, um, a shepherd looks at Psalm 23. Here's what he writes. Check this out. Listen, listen. Um, It's a tragic truth, he writes, quote, that many people really have never come under his direction or management claim that the Lord is my shepherd. They seem to hope that by merely admitting that he is their shepherd, somehow they will enjoy the benefits of his care and management without paying the price of forfeiting their own fickle and foolish way of life. Did you catch that? This is what he says. Another way of saying that is people are simply not fully trusting the Lord for all that they need in life. And they're hoping for just a few benefits that make their life just a bit more tolerable. Just a bit more tolerable. I was thinking about this, and man, sometimes some of these psalms, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to preach this one because that kind of, that kind of hurts home. I, I, I begin to think, and and a lot of times I have, I have a lot of time to think, and I was thinking, Mike, I don't know if you've ever thought this, but I was thinking why people don't fully trust the Lord. 
Like, why, why don't we fully trust the Lord? Like, if we're honest, the people who really fu- fully trust the Lord and are full of faith, we, those people bug us. Ugh. Oh, don't worry about it. God's going to work it out. It's so good. God is amazing. Yeah, but you just got run over. Your, your toes just got run over. Oh, it's okay. Praise. You know, and they're just full of faith, and those people bug us. But I wonder why. I really wonder why. That, that people don't fully trust the Lord. Like, like if he's our shepherd, Mel, who guides us and protects us and, and he nourishes us and he takes us to the places that we're supposed to be. My question is, why are, so many, why are there so many anemic sheep? One reason I found is because we only have a partial Trust in God. And you say, why do we have a partial trust? And let's be honest, because of the hurts and the pains that we went through. The hurts and the pains. And as a result of our hurt and our pains, what we've done is we've set up, you ready? Jot this down. We've set up counterfeit gods. Now, stay with me. Okay, stay with me. Counterfeit gods? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, in Romans chapter 1, we discover that a man has the ability to reverse the creative order. You understand that. In other words, in Romans chapter 1, Paul directs us that man begins to worship the, the creature rather than the creator. When we do that, something, when we take something good and make it ultimate, well, then it becomes an idol. And of course, I've told you this time and time again. You need to jot this down. People and things make horrible gods. People and things Make horrible gods. Now, here's what Paul writes. Stay with me, guys. Stay with me. It's going to get good. Paul writes that in order to create an idol in our heart, we have to do two things. For us to create an idol, we have to do two things. You go, what's that? Number one, we need to suppress the truth of God's word. And the second thing we do is question his character. Now, come on, listen, listen. That's good, that's good. Why? Because this is what we want to do. Well, give me an example. Okay, let's talk relationship idol. Let's talk relationship idol. When we come and we say this, life only has meaning and I only have worth if the person I'm with only loves me and is in love with me. Well, we realize that that is a surface idol. But think about this. If I have a relationship that is higher up in my valuing of God, then anything God would say about it makes it fall down a notch. You understand that? So what do I have to do? I have to suppress, I have to suppress, and if he dare try take it away from me, or tweak this thing, then I begin to question his character. Saying, if he can't be good if he wants to take away my idol. You, you understand that, right? You go, no, you, you said a lot of words. Okay, if I have a relationship that I, it's not, it, it, again, we talked about, remember on Sunday, we talked about assets and liabilities. And, and let's say this relationship is a liability. It's taking from me. And, and I've taken that relationship and I've, I've elevated higher than God. I've taken it higher than God. 
Or, or let's just say it's an asset. It's a great relationship. It's not a godly relationship. It's a great relationship. And what happens is what he's saying again, what happens is that if all of a sudden God says, hey, hey, Ben, we need to talk about that relationship. We need, it's not a godly relationship. It's not one that glorifies me. It's not one that's going to lead you into a great future. It's not one, uh, whoa, 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 God, wait, wait, why are you trying to hurt me? Why are you trying to take away the very thing I like? I don't understand. And when he does that, then what do I do? I have to question his character. Wait a minute. Is God God or not? Well, And I have to suppress the truth of the Word of God. Guys, this is, again, think about it. This is a problem of trust. It's a problem of trust. Listen, church, listen, listen. Many years ago, I was on the treadmill at a local gym, and I invited a young girl to church. Um, She was running alongside, and I said, hey, we got to talking, and I invited her to church, and she came into this church, sat down right about the center row, which I was surprised, but she came, and I gave the invitation, and she's sitting there crying. She's, I mean, she's literally convicted and crying. Well, after the service, I went up to her, and, and she looked at me, and she said, hey, pastor, I wanted to tell you something. She said, um, I really felt like I wanted to give my life to the Lord, but I can't do that right now. And I said, well, really, why is that? And she said, well, I'm about to move to Colorado and move in with my boyfriend. And if I give my life to the Lord, that's going to ruin everything. And I was like, wow. You see, again, what is that? That was an idol. That was an idol. She was choosing, and, 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 and maybe God did have this particular person for her, but it's got to be done his way. Our problem our problem is a trust problem. Like, let's say we have a relationship that's, that's higher in value than God. And that person cannot be God always seems to what? To break your heart. To hurt your feelings. To put others above you and doesn't consider your feelings. This person always lets you down. Guess what? Well, now you have a trust issue based upon the hurts and the scars and the pain that this person puts you through. So then our God steps in and he says, okay, trust me, trust me. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And our normal reaction is, check this out, the person I can see who who I made ultimate hurt me and let me down. God, who I cannot see, wants me to fully trust him. Do you see where the breakdown is? So again, we're talking about trust. We're talking about deep trust. Deep trust. Well, if that happens, what's next is what I call the what ifs. The what ifs, right? Because God has stepped in and he says, he says, trust me. This is what David writes. The Lord is my shepherd and I totally trust him. I'm going to walk in him. He's going to guide me even in the, but, but here's, we go, whoa, 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 time out. I don't know. And the what ifs come in. You go, what do you mean? Well, the what ifs are really simple. What if God hurts me? What if God hurts me? What if God isn't there for me when I really need him? What if he's silent when I need him to speak the most? And what if God abandons me? Well, what happens is when the what ifs get in your heart, guys, 
then my trust is simply partial because of the hurt I allowed my idol to cause. You go, wow, dude, I didn't think this Bible study was going to be that deep. Well, here's my encouragement to you. What the Lord is wanting us to do, specifically in this day and this hour, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. And what do you mean by that? Well, to, to surrender your trust to Him. To surrender your trust to Him. When you do, I want you to note the wonderful benefits that God's allows, that, that, the benefits of, of allowing God to be your shepherd. Think about it, okay? Think about this. He's going to say this. Okay, let's, let's, let's look at it again. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's full trust. You go, amen. When we, are, when we fully trust the Lord, church, we then get these awesome benefits. You go, what are they? Look at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. That is a wonderful benefit of trust. The green grass is lovely. It tickles my feet as I walk through the sunshine of God's perfect love. It is peaceful by the river of the water of life, and the flow of God's grace satisfies, satisfies my thirst. It fills my heart and soul with the desire to love him more and more each day. Think about the green grass. Think about what that means. Well, Ben, give me another benefit. Well, another benefit of trusting God fully is number three, verse three. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I have faith in the Lord. A trusting faith will do what? It'll bring me Peace. It'll bring me peace. Even after bad things happen, I trust him to protect me from those who would dare hurt me. And he will always guide me and seek. He will always guide me to seek after truth and justice. Let me see if I can paint a picture. Let me see if I can paint a picture. There's a picture that is this giant waterfall just this huge giant waterfall, um, dark stormy clouds, and the caption on the bottom says peace. And anyone looking at that mic would go, "What? How is that peaceful? You got waterfall all over, rocks, jagged rocks. You got storm clouds. You got. I mean, it's high. It's you. Know, somebody could fall and get hurt. But if you look closely in this, there's a little nest with a bird in." And the bird is just resting on his nest in the midst of the waterfall. And that really is what peace is. And sometimes, again, think about this. He restores my soul, and he leads me in the path of righteousness. It's a trusting faith. It doesn't mean that, that hey, I'm going to give my life to the Lord, and the world around me is all going to get better. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, just... You know, I mean, it's all going to be, your bills are going to be paid. It's going to be, I mean, that, the, no, there's still going to be chaos and there's still going to be trouble and there's still going to be all of this political stuff and there's going to be all of these uh, diseases and all this yucky stuff that's going around in our world, but we'll have the peace of God in our heart. We'll be the baby bird resting. That's what he's talking about. But he also says this, he leads me in paths. I, I, I really love that. Why? Because notice that God wants us walking in his path, enjoying his peace and rest. See, like, like he's the leader and the provider of that rest and that peace. 
Yet, help me, church, this is, this is good. Help me. So many people are out there looking for rest and peace all over the place. They're looking in relationships. They're looking in, in bars. They're looking. I mean, they're trying, to find, they're trying to find exactly what this is. And yet the Lord goes, I'm the leader here. I'm going to provide that. And that's the beautiful benefit of knowing when he says, when he says, listen, he says, I am your shepherd. I am your shepherd. I'm going to guide you. How, Lord? What do you mean? Well, first of all, I'm going to bring you and I'm going to let you lie down in such green, lush pastures. Guys, think about that. Think about that. That's a great nourishment. Do you realize that a sheep without a shepherd, a sheep without a shepherd will eat the same grass until it gets down to the dirt. He'll eat the dirt without doing anything until he gets sick and dies. But see, the Lord is our shepherd. He says, oh, no, no, don't eat the dirt. Come here, come here. Don't eat the dirt. Look at this. Here's some green. Ah, oh, there's a green grass right here. Oh, by the way, you're thirsty? Let me lead you by what? The rushing mighty what? No, 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 still waters. Still waters. What a, what a beautiful benefit. He restores my soul and leads me. Again, think about this. He restores me. And now he's guiding me. He's guiding. And then, and then, the benefits of trusting him as shepherd, that he's going to, well, he's going to be our shepherd even in the death, even in death. Look at verse 4. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Guys, if you were to go to Israel today, the Kidron Valley, the valley of, of Kidron kind of comes around this way, and the temple would be here, and there'd be a bridge where, where Jesus would cross over into the Mount of Olives. But underneath would be the Kidron Valley going all the way to Hinnom Valley here. Well, David would, would see, and, and what would happen, guys, is this, as, as, the, as the sun would begin to set, the valley, there would be a lot of dark, lot of dark spaces, a lot of dark areas. And, and he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's like, because there were a lot of robbers, and this is where they, they said, he says, I'm not going to fear any evil, for you are with me. The rod and thy staff, well, they'll comfort me. And so I love to take this because here's what we're talking about right now. Even though we're walking through this world, the journey of this world, and the shadow of death could be around us. That is, in, that, that is never more truthful than today. The topic of COVID and illness and sickness and death is, and yet, because I have a great shepherd, he says, I'm not going to fear any evil. Why are we so fearful today? Because we have a partial trust in God. We have a partial trust. We've allowed other things in our lives to be ultimate. We've set up idols. 
we don't think that he is truly our shepherd or he will only shepherd us if we're good little boys and good little girls. And, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. The enemy, the enemy has come and he's causing fear. If I might could have a word, I was um, in New Mexico last week and and it breaks my heart that my my home state my home state is just it's just they're full, my precious people are full of fear listen there's a difference between being cautious and being fearful there's a big difference fear will grip you and immobilize you he says though i walk Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, like death is around me, he says, I'm not going to fear. Why? Why should I not fear? For you are with me. Yeah, Ben, but what if you die? Then I win. I need to constantly remind myself that this is not my home. This is not, I'm passing through. I'm passing through. And, and I'm cool with whatever God wants. But I've got to be angry. I gotta be honest with you. I get really um, anxious when I take my eyes off the Lord. I start to drown in fear when I take my eyes off the Lord. And you, my my Bible students, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We're gonna look at this story on Sunday. Let me give you a preview because you definitely want to be here. But but. The Lord comes walking on a stormy sea of Galilee, okay? And Peter sees him, and of course, they're, they're all freaked out first. They're like, it's a ghost! Ah, we're all going to die! Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? This is, and they're, they're, they're scared. And the Lord's like, no, don't worry, it's me, guys, it's me. And, and he says, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Well, you know what Peter does? He gets out of the boat. And he walks on the water. And of course, we know this, and we've taught it so many times, the wind and the rain and everything else gets his eyes off of Jesus for a half second, and next thing you know, Peter's drowning. He's drowning. I feel like that's what the enemy intent on all of us in our world today is get our eyes off Jesus. Get our eyes off Jesus. And then we're drowned in fear and anxiety and really the unknown. Hey, what's tomorrow going to bring? Am I going to get sick? And, you know, he goes on in verse 5. Notice what he says. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. He says, my cup runs over. What another beautiful benefit, right? God, it, it, it's like painting this picture of God as a host and prepares a banquet for us, even when it seems like things are insecure around us. Like, hey, this is, come, come and eat. This is great. And we're able to sit down at the king and feast, protected by his majesty, 
we partake in his goodness and his perfect peace. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I'm going to set up a day. But Lord, we're in the valley of the shadow of death. We're in, this is, no, 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 no. Am I your shepherd? Yes, Lord, you're my shepherd. Well, come on, let's eat. Let's eat. You know what fear does? When you really think about fear, it causes us not to eat. We're, we're afraid, we, we're fearful, we're, we're anxiety. We Oh, no, I don't feel like eating. But do you realize that when we sit around a table and we fellowship and we break bread together, some of that fear subsides. Well, he's saying, I'm preparing a table for you guys. I'm preparing a table. He anoints my head with oil my cup runneth over. There's a couple of references. Like Now listen, David was a shepherd, so he's comparing God as the great shepherd, but you need to understand. When he says, basically, he anoints my head with oil, you need to understand that he would anoint the sheep with oil because of all the bugs and the ticks and everything around them. The, the, the oil on the head, would just the bugs would just slide off, especially the wool of the sheep. You understand that. So he says, listen, he says, listen, you're preparing what? A table for me in the presence of my enemies. Listen, we're going to eat even though there's, there's all this stuff around me. He goes, and by the way, all the little bugs and the ticks and the, and the little briars and all the stuff that would normally get caught on me, he says, his oil, that's just going to slide off my back. Think about all the little things, not the big things, but what are the little things that are holding on to you? That's bringing you down. What are the little things? And then he says, my cup, my cup runs over. What a great benefit to trusting the Lord that your cup runneth over. Your cup runneth over. I don't know, I have this strange picture when you go out to eat, when you're being served, not when you have to serve yourself, but when you're being served and you're at a really fancy restaurant and as soon as, I've only been at a couple of them where you take a drink of tea, you ever have that? And they're right there and they fill up your tea. Now, that's great in one way, but another way, they mess up the flavor of my tea. You understand that, right? I just get it sweet enough. I'm like, this is good. Oh, here you go, sir. Here you go. Stop doing that. Let me drink a little bit, you know. And But you love the service because you're never without tea. You're never without water. And what the Lord is telling us, guys, is that, hey, your cup's going to run over. But remember what he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I don't need anything. I have all that I, and what's that word, need? And we have to be so careful that we don't get our wants and our needs mixed up. There's a lot of things I want. But what I really need, he's already given me. He's already given me. You know what I know about God? He'll never let us go hungry. He'll never let us go hungry. We'll never go. He'd, he'd love, uh, you know what I know about God? He says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You know what I know about God? There'll always be clothes. There'll always be shelter. I know those things for sure. 
Do we have to drive what we drive? No, we don't. We can, we can get away with what it... I mean, you understand. You understand. And of course, he finishes off in verse 6. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you see where Jesus says, not only in life and in death, but he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. And that's really what we want. All the days of our life is goodness and mercy. His goodness and mercy. Well, what happens if I die? Well, then I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Okay, you ready? You ready? I'm going to close in just a second. But let me, can I exhort you? And I'm really preaching to me, So, but I want to exhort you, those of you that are watching online. Um, don't put your tent pegs here on earth too deep. Don't put your tent pegs too too deep. The goal is one day when he's ready to be home with him. That's the goal. The goal is to learn and study and know all about the place that we're going to spend eternity and who we're going to spend eternity with. That's the goal. When I take my tent peg and I put it too deep and I make my roots so deep here on earth that I don't want to leave earth, then my tent peg is too deep. There was a precious, precious older couple years ago, precious older couple that I got introduced to and, oh, you could see this man, he loved his wife the way all of us really should love our wives. He did. You could tell. And after a few short years, they were up in age, and and, um, and she got sick, and she passed. The remaining years of this older gentleman who taught Sunday school and who was involved in a church here in Lubbock, the remaining years, all he wanted to do was see his precious wife again. Which to all of you go, ah. But the goal of heaven shouldn't be, I'll, all I want to do is take and see my precious wife. You see, his ten pegs were, were deep. Yes, they were deep and rooted in the love of a, of a husband and wife. But what our heart should be is like, listen, I love my husband, I love my wife, I love my family, I love my granddaughters, I love my grandson, but I love Jesus. And the goal of heaven is to see my late, my, my Lord and my Savior. The, all the rest are going to be benefits, that's going to be great. She's there, He's he, he actually, believe it or not, he actually, this older man at about 96 years old died the same day that his wife died. And he was visiting her grave and it happened to be on one of the hottest days in Lubbock and he succumbed to the heat and died visiting her grave. Pretty cool story. But I want, this, I, I want that love that he had for his wife. I want that love for Jesus. I want that love for Jesus because he is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. So let me close with this. 
David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Jot this down. That's relationship. That's relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. I need a relationship with God. So I'm going to ask you, do you have a relationship with God? Okay. Then he says, I shall not want. You go, what's that? Well, that's supply. That's supply. Okay. So you've got a relationship. Now he's going to supply your needs. And he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Well, that's rest. That's rest. That's something we all long for. He leads me beside still waters. Well, that's refreshment. That's refreshment. He restoreth my soul. Jot this down. That's healing. So now I've got relationship. I've got supply. I've got rest. I've got refreshment. And now I've got healing. I've got healing. He leads me besides the paths of righteousness. Well, that's guidance. That's guidance. Yea, though I walk oh, for his name's sake. Well, that's purpose. That's purpose. So now you have guidance and purpose. Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's testing. That's testing, church. That's testing. Some of us, some of you right now, I know you're in the middle of a test. He says, I will fear no evil. Well, that's protection. That's protection. For thou art with me. That's faithfulness. That's faithfulness. You go, Ben, what's that again? Well, first of all, I have relationship. I have supply. I have rest and I have refreshment. I have healing and guidance and purpose. I have testing at times. I have protection and I have faithfulness. But he says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You better jot this one down. That's discipline. That's discipline. When we're running off the road, the Lord will discipline us. If the Lord isn't disciplining you, then the Bible says you're not his kids. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You can jot this down. That's hope. That's hope. That's hope. He anointed my head with oil. Well, that's consecration. And he says, my cup runneth over. That's abundance. What a great benefit. He says, surely in goodness, or surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's blessing. That's blessing. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. That's security. But he says forever, and that's eternity. Let's face it. You ready? The Lord is crazy about you. What is most valuable is not what we have in our lives, but who we have in our lives. You can have all these benefits if you open up your heart and invite him inside. And all you have to do is simply say yes to him. You see, right now, those of you watching online, you don't have a relationship with him. He's knocking on your heart right now. And he's saying, I want to come inside. I want to forgive you. You're mine. I created you. Please don't run. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. So if the Lord has been moving on your heart tonight and you say, you know, Ben, I want that. I want that. Well, all you have to do is, is just reach out, cry out to God and say, Lord, I believe in you. I believe like Romans says, I confess you. You are God. You died for me. You were buried, you rose again, and you're coming back soon. But I want to make you Lord of my life. 
I don't just want Savior. I want you to be the Lord of my life. So I'm asking you to just come in my heart, guide me, and help me, and be my Lord, and be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. I need a friend. And then maybe you make this declaration, I choose this day to follow you for forever. I'm yours in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, hey, listen, we want to know about it. Just jot it in the comments real quick. I gave my life to the Lord. If you're watching this at a later date, you can call us at the church. Our number is 806-799-2227. Or you can simply just send us an email at calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. We would love to get you a Bible and a Bible study guide. And if you're here tonight and you're struggling with trust, fully trusting the Lord, then he also says to you, it's time to come home. He's standing with his arms open wide and he says, will you fully trust me? If that's you, then just pray. Say, Lord, I haven't fully trusted you. I've allowed the hurts and the pains and the anxieties and the stresses of this world has gotten in the way. But I've given my life back to you. I'm trusting you. If, if that's you and God is speaking to you, just drop us a comment. Say, yeah, that was me. I'm fully in. And we can pray for you. We have, we have prayer tomorrow. We're praying for you all the time. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you that you spoke to us. Thank you, Lord. We pray for all those who surrendered their lives tonight because we truly believe that your word goes out and accomplishes what it's supposed to. So we thank you. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.